Podcast One and Forbes present Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari, a show where women you may never meet will become your mentors. Join Denise in her New York City apartment and tap into her conversations with successful women who are dropping the V-bombs. That's right, they're getting vulnerable. Now, here's your host, Denise Rastari. Hi, normally I would say, welcome to my apartment in New York City, but today I'm at the Forbes Under 30 Summit here in Boston. In my hotel room, you might hear some band outside, there's some music going on, but what's really funny is I'm sitting here in my hotel room with Sinjini Das, and we are literally on the floor. We'll post photos of this on Twitter. We're on the floor, sitting on the pillows from the sofa. We were sitting around, we were talking, and we were like, let's do a podcast of this. So here we are doing a podcast in my hotel room on the floor at the Forbes Under 30 Summit. You know, being here with all these young people, I'm going to tell you tell a story that goes the opposite direction, but really plays in with the heart of what's going on here at the Under 30 Summit. My mom will be 90 in March, and she loves to party, loves to party. She loves to dance, and she loves to laugh. And so much for her 89th birthday, I threw a party for her in Pittsburgh, and we could not get her off the dance floor. Now, the party started at 5. At 11.30, I'm saying to my 89-year-old mom, Mom, I've got to go home. I am so exhausted. And she's giving me that look of like, what is wrong with you? I mean, you, how can you not, how do you want to, why do you want to go home? So I'm going to go back a step. My hairdresser, who is also my dear friend, Paul Podlucky, years ago, seven, eight years ago, told me that every day he calls his mom. And when she was alive, she had died like five years before this conversation. And he said he was talking about how much he misses talking to his mom. And he, I said, wow, you know, I call my mom maybe like once or twice a week. And he said, you know, honey, you're so close to your mom. You have that great relationship. Why don't you just call her every day? And I thought, well, yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to call my mom every day. So every day at around 7.30 or so, I say the following to myself. I need to call my mom. Because in my mind, it was, I need to call my mom. That she needs to hear from me. She needs me to brighten her day, whatever it is. So last week, I get this phone call. And it's my mom. And she is just laughing hysterically. Like she has that one of those laughs where you don't know what she's laughing about. But you just start laughing because you can't stop. And she's laughing and laughing. And all I hear are the words bride and gown. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bride and gown. I'm going through my family and thinking, who in my family could be getting married that I don't know about? And nothing is coming to my mind. And then I get the picture that my mom is going, she's going to a Halloween party, not almost 90 years old, dressed as a bride in a gown. And we just start laughing. But when I first saw that phone call come in from my mom, I immediately thought one thing. Well, really two things. I thought, I'm so busy. I don't have time right now to talk to my mom. But the next thing I thought, I need to pick up the phone because I want to make sure she's okay. And I'll say, Mom, are you okay? And she'll say yes. And I'll say, good, then I got to go. I've got to call you back. 
But because I had to listen, not had to listen, but I wanted to listen because I was so brought into the conversation that I had to open up, I had to listen. And we just sat there and we laughed and we laughed. And she was just having the best time. But it was that moment, that real like when that light bulb goes off in your head when you say to yourself, how many times have I not listened? How many times have I not allowed myself to be present? How many times have I not allowed myself to laugh? Because I'm too busy. And then I thought, you know, the thing, one of the biggest things I got out of this conversation was the laughter, of course. I mean, because we were just laughing so hard, we were crying. And my mom sent me a picture of her, which I'll put that on Twitter, maybe my mom in her wedding gown, but in her Halloween costume wedding gown. But it was really that thinking, you know, I know what who I want to be. And as I grow up, when I'm 90, I want to be just like my mom. I want to add one more thing to this. When she was doing the bridal gown, her friends were there and they had said, all your mom needs now is a groom, a priest and a push-up bra. And you were all laughing. You know, my mom needs a push-up bra at the age of 90, which is probably not a bad idea. But anyway, but so it was like, and I thought, you know what, when I'm her age, I want to be looking for a push-up bra and making my daughter laugh. And that's who I want to be. So that is my mentoring moment for the day of something that's really the week of something that's really happened to me this past week that has really changed my life. And I hope it changes your life some too. And now sitting across from me on the floor, you, you just have to see the setup. It truly is remarkable, is Sinjini Das. And I'm not going to introduce Sinjini because as I believe that we should all own our own story and tell our own story in 60 seconds or less. So Sinjini, you're on in 60 seconds or less. Who are you? Amazing, Denise. Well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. In a nutshell, I'm the founder and CEO of my own company. That's the DOS Media Group, Huffington Post contributor, speaker, multimedia personality. But the end of it, ultimately, I am a go-getter girl on the quest to writing one of the greatest stories ever written. Well, that was great. That was in under 60 seconds. You, you've nailed that one. So I think this is hilarious, and I have to share this story. We were talking last week. And I had said to you, you said, I'm so excited. I've left my full-time job and I'm loving being a full-time entrepreneur. And I was like, that's great. Because the last time we had talked, you had talked about being, going and becoming an entrepreneur. And I had said, so how long have you been an entrepreneur? And you said, since yesterday. I, yeah, this is new for me since yesterday. And I was like, okay, I love this story. You're an entrepreneur since yesterday. So let's kick it off with a mentoring moment from you, a story that has changed your life, an aha moment for you. Absolutely. I think, and I've thought about this a lot, Denise, but I think that the real moment for me was realizing that I needed to go full in. In my case, it was media, it was my media career, which was kind of happening on its own for the past one and a half years. But I'll be honest, I was still juggling another job uh, in, in the first case, sort of first job, and then after that, a second job, along with the media. And it was just becoming so much to manage altogether that I really needed to focus on my intentions. And I think somewhere, and I talked to you about this, I think all my life I've been focused on goals, which are great, and they're awesome, and they're really 
really allow you to achieve, but somewhere you really want to think about your feelings and your passion and where you want to go, not where you should go, but where you want to go. And I think for the first time in my life, I had this epiphany a couple of months ago, like media is what I want to do. This is who I am. You know, I mean, if you think about speech, if you think about writing, I mean, this is all media It's all forms of media. And so I think it's a very powerful medium to create social change, to change the world. And I thought, wow, I need to be here. And I really have this epiphany. Talk to my parents. I'm an immigrant. I told you this. Entrepreneurship is not exactly the preferred path, I would say, for, for many immigrants, just because it is quite a risky move. But I really kind of shut myself in my own room and I said, what do I have to do? And it became very clear to me that I have to follow this path. I had a visceral sensation and I thought, you know what? It's not going to be easy. In fact, there's no road. There's no role model. There's no route. I mean, I have to create all of it myself. But somewhere that was very exciting to me, I said, you know what? I, I have to do this. And so I did. And I think in a nutshell, the mentoring moment there is you really have to focus on your passions, on your feelings and your visceral sensations instead of your goals and your objectives and your life measures, you know, because somewhere you just sometimes you just need to feel. And, and for the first time I felt and here we are and how old are you let's start there how old are you I'm 24 and that, I just think that is as I look at you when I talk to you I'm just so impressed by your being by your spirit really by your spirit there's I don't mean like an old soul living in you in a bat you know like there's an old person in you in you but I look at my daughter that way too and for my daughter I really think there's an old soul that lives inside my daughter that is very connected to the universe of she's still trying to find herself a little more than you are and you your parents are from India, India. yes and so when you told your parents they thought you were a little crazy. I'll yeah. take it. Like, yeah. right. Yeah. Did you have to be so sure of yourself to be able to tell them? I remember when I was leaving USA today mm -hmm. and I'd been there for 16 years mm -hmm. and part of it was, you know, I think thinking, how can they live without me? Which mm -hmm. is like a crazy thought because every company can live without you. And it wasn't an ego. It was that I'd been there for so long. Right. right? I mean, I knew so much. And so you're kind of thinking who can take that role that they can maneuver and get through all of that. But it was also that this is it's so hard to find yourself and figure out what you want to do next. So how did you do that? You're in this room, mm -hmm. you're feeling with yourself. Yes. I mean, it took me a long time to be able to say so my consultant said to me when I was leaving USA today, you have to be so sure of yourself mm -hmm. when you go in there to tell them that you're leaving, mm -hmm. that if they try to convince you to mm -hmm. stay, mm -hmm. you have to be able to be so sure that you want to leave. That right. took me about five years. Right. Right. And I think you bring up a great point. I completely agree that you have to be completely sure. And I think what's been great about my upbringing is that I told you this over the phone. I've grown up as an introvert. I think today if people look at me, they would not uh, agree. But I grew up as an introvert, grew up with myself. And so I've really learned to be completely self-reliant because a lot of the battles, a lot of the issues that I fought have all been with me and myself. So I've had to overcome those myself, whether that's an engineering degree from Georgia Tech, you know, becoming commencement speaker 
speakers, speaking in front of 10,000 people, being like, hey, I want to make this a professional career. How do you even become a professional speaker? I mean, at every point in my journey, no one had any idea about how to help. I mean, all they said was, you got this, which is great, right. but not super helpful in, in the long run. So I've become very, very self-reliant. Not to say that, you know, people uh, are not helpful. They absolutely are. But I, I think I'm very clear in that I'm writing my own story. And so and I think that has also carried with me through this media career. So I had this vision of being able to build this global lifestyle brand. You know, part of it would be sort of me and my go-getter girl and guy and, you know, just kind of getting people to take action on their goals. But then the other part is sort of the business angle, which I've always had in terms of my company. And I had this vision that just kept getting larger and larger and larger until it literally consumed me. And at that point, I was living it, breathing it, eating it, thinking it. And then I was like, I, I, I can't do something else. It's cheating, right? If I'm thinking about this vision on such a high level, and I'm pretty sure that I know how to get there, um, it is unfair of me to to not do it. And and it, it just became such an overall like consuming feeling that I, I was just like, I, I got to leave. <laughs> I have to leave. And then that's what I told my boss. And, um, and you know, they, they, I think people generally support you when they see your passions and your spirits and your desires aligning. I think everybody kind of is on your team, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is my story. And I was telling um, you, you today that Michael Phelps spoke today and that's exactly what he said too, that this is my story. No, I'm not going to come back. I'm retired. I'm focusing on sort of other aspects of swimming, not the competitive aspect. And so that's how I feel. Uh, this is my story and I'm writing it. And so far, so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess compared to Michael Phelps, my deciding to leave USA Today is child's play versus <laughs> deciding to be no longer be swimming in the meets at the Olympics. That's When I think about it, it's like, okay, that's a really serious decision. But, right. it, you know, I think for all of us, all of our decisions, right, are serious for us because they're our lives. Right. So Jessica Alba yesterday, yes. I don't know if you were able yes. to see her, at the summit, there are four or five different stages going on. So there's a lot of FOMO going on here and the fear of missing out, right. that if you're at one stage, if you're at Harvard Business School watching those, you're not over at the tech conference seeing those and you're like, I want to be at both places. So Jessica Alba spoke a few places yesterday, mm -hmm. and one of the things that she had said that really stuck with me, she said, I'm doing the thing that scares me the most mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the, you don't know what the future mm -hmm. is going to bring. You only have this moment today to be present. Maybe think, that's what really made me think about the story about my mom, mm -hmm. that it all happened last week and her saying that. So what scares you? I mean, I think everything that I'm doing, <laughs> that, it's, that it's completely ambiguous, that there's no path, there's no role model. I mean, right. anything that you want is not really there. So I have to create all of it. But I think that, and, and this is something that I've discovered about myself. I think growing up, I was actually very structured. You know, I, I needed rules and I needed structure and I needed regulations. But now I think I've become so creative and, and broad and just um, open and expansive that, that I don't want too much structure. And so I think this is a very exciting space for me to really create the rules and create the precedents to hopefully you know get get others to to follow it in the future so really exciting now um and i think that everything that i'm doing is is scary um also because i'm 24 right. and, yeah, right. and uh, you know negotiating deals and, and 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 most importantly sort of figuring out the strategy i think that's what i'm always kind of worried about i'm sure jessica is too is like am i doing the right thing by the honest company by my own company by my own brand 
brand? You know, am I selecting the right opportunities? Am I saying yes to the right people? Am I saying no to the right people? Right? Because you can't say yes to everything, right? So you have to sort of pick and choose what you want to do. So my only objective is to maximize value, right? So I'm always thinking that, oh, you know, this this conference wants me to speak. Is that a good decision? Is that a good idea for me to be there? So, and then that's all me, um, which is exciting because I like strategy, but uh, also scary. <laughs> what is scary? And I think it's hard because you're 24, I'm okay? 24. You're very smart. You're very yes. together, but you're yeah, 24. 24. You only have X amount of life experiences <laughs> yeah. to draw back on. Yes. So do you have mentors that help you? I do. I do. I have mentors. And I think what's great is I've sort of picked different people that inspire me in different areas. So, I mean, I definitely have some hardcore entrepreneurs, business people, younger entrepreneurs, Entrepreneurs, as Wait, well they're younger as, than uh, you? Uh, no, my age, my age, right? They've been, <laughs> doing, 12. It, well, they've 12. been doing it for a long time, right. though. I mean, they're, some of them are 24, but, you know, started at 17, right. so seven years in. Um, and uh, and a couple of just, just lifestyle people. I mean, I think there are some women, particularly, that I really admire in terms of work-life balance, Jessica being one of them. Right. So I'm always kind of curious about how they manage their lives. And I know we spoke about this, that today mentoring is, is also virtual, is also online. So I read a lot of interviews from women who I admire specifically. And, listen to um, mentoring moments. Yeah, listen to mentoring moments, right? obviously. Obviously. And I think that's really helpful to just kind of see how they break up their day. You know, my thing is always like, who's taking care of the kids when right. you're like traveling around the world? And so I'm just, you know, I'm really inspired by by women who, who seem to do it all. <laughs> and do you, are you scared at all about the unknown? And I'll explain that question a little. So I was talking about feeling comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? So especially a lot of the uncomfortable comes from the unknown because you don't know and that makes you uncomfortable. And a woman who is 32 said, you know, I wonder if women, if we get scared more than men because we think the things in front of us are so much scarier. And she was talking about having children that mm-hmm. you have this, and she's in, it's like 32. Mm-hmm. So she was this personalizing this a lot. And she said, you know, there's that biological clock that's mm-hmm. ticking. And then we think, do we have to, you know, we need to get pregnant. We need to have a kid. And our friends are saying to us, you know, oh, you just got married. You need to start having a kid because it took me seven years. And then mm-hmm. she gets pregnant two weeks after she's married because she's in this rush to try because she thinks, okay, now we're going to start trying. And she said, you're always going after the fairy tale. But mm-hmm. what is the fairy tale? Right. So and there's a little difference. Here. You're 24. You have a long time as far as the kids go. But you just brought that up. So do you think about that, like having a family and how do you juggle it all? Yeah, absolutely, Denise. I want it all. Right, I want it all. <laughs> really? I yes, can't tell yes, that about you at yes, all. Yes, no, no. That. Obviously, obviously. And, you know, I, I come from a um, sort of very close-knit family and you know, Indian culture is big on that. And, and obviously, I'm, I'm, I want, you know, two kids and husband and, and all of that. Um, but I think that you should define your own fairy tale. You know, I think that's something that I tell my audiences all the time, whether it's through the writing, through speaking that you have to define your marriage. And you know, some women don't want kids, in which case that's cool. You know, some women don't want to get married, which is cool. So I think being uh, sort of pressurized to say, okay, well, she wants this and he wants that. That's very stressful for me. So I don't do that. Um, so I recommend you sort of define what perfection and or this ideal life looks for you. If that includes a family, then you have to make an effort towards that. I think that's also something that I've realized as go-getter as I am in my career, I've realized that if, if you want the family, the husband, Whatever. I mean, th- that takes effort as well. It's it's not magically going to appear in your life. So just kind of figuring out how do you delegate effort proportionally in terms of how old you are and where you are in life is really important. But point being, define your own fairy tale. <laughs> right. But that's hard sometimes, right? Because 
it, it's even hard for me. And at the age I'm at, as I said, you know, when I listened to my mom on the phone last week. I really did. I'm not just saying that, that it really hit me like this is who I want to be. I want to be successful at work and I want all these things, great things to happen. And I want to be a mentor. But really, at the end of the day, I want to be looking for that push-up bra and making my daughter laugh when I'm 90, because that's the important thing. So you have a long way to go before you're 90, so you have you have a lot to do in life. Is there anything that you've heard in the past two days at the summit that has really resonated with you that you've thought, wow? Yeah, I think it, what has been amazing to me is all these individuals that I've heard, Michael Phelps, Ali Breisman, Jessica Alba, I mean, they're living for a much bigger reason. And I think that's very attractive. And I think the more people who live for a much bigger cause, reason is great for the world, right? Because that means that people are motivated from within, number one. Number two, they are motivated by an intrinsic desire to change the world. I think that's who we've seen these past two days are game changers. So I think that's really inspiring. And also the fact that they all find authentic meaning in what they do. I think the synergy is clearly evident from just everyone that I've heard so far is, uh, is is they really love what they do and they find great meaning in it and they've been able to create their own life. Like I'm a big fan of creation. I'm a big fan of like writing your own story, creating your own destiny and every single person that I've heard has done that and I think that's commendable whether that's, you know, from a young age, you know, she was taking gymnastics classes or she really wanted to uh, be a business person from a young age and now she's doing that. I mean, I, I'm, I find great inspiration in those stories and I think in general the meaning, the authenticity, and just the, the joy. Like, I think you would agree, like, everybody that we've seen so far is really happy. And and I love that, you know. Um, so I think the, the intersection of sort of joy, value, changing the world, meaning, and then that, there's just that constant push to do more. And Michael Phelps said that he's like, I, I always want to do more. You know, I'm never satisfied with what I have. And I think that's amazing. And I, I definitely want to be that person for the rest of my life too. I have a feeling that you already are that person. <laughs> so the other thing that I heard yesterday a lot, whether it was Jessica Alba, mm -hmm. Sir Richard Branson, mm -hmm. was focus. Yes. Sir Richard Branson yesterday morning, one of the th other things I love that he was talking about is his dyslexia mm -hmm. helps him stay focused mm -hmm. because he has to delegate what he truly cannot do. Mm -hmm. Realizing that his dyslexia keeps him from doing some things. He mm -hmm. can't be like some, some of us will say, I can do it. I can do it. Right. As an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. how many times do we say you're a new entrepreneur, but mm -hmm. you've been doing this. You've had yes. two inboxes yes. for a while now. Right. Right. How many times do we say, I can do it. I can do it. I can mm -hmm. do it at 2 AM. I could do it at 3 AM mm -hmm. where he's able to say, I can't do it no mm -hmm. matter what time I can't do it. So he's realizing his, I don't want to say limitations because I think learning differences aren't limiting at all. Mm. But he's realizing we all do have limitations mm. of how we work, what we can do. So using it in that term mm. of his limitations that he cannot do it all. Mm -hmm. And so he delegates it. Now, that's great when you've got his staff, right? Because I was sitting there thinking, okay, I've been the entrepreneur on the floor, just like we are today on the floor, something about me on the floor here, that working until three o'clock in the morning by myself, there is no one to delegate it to. So I think the focus thing is, a, I heard that from Jessica Alba, I kept hearing it all day yesterday was focus is how they got there. Mm -hmm. Does that worry you at all staying focused? Or are you good at staying focused? No, I'm very good at staying focused. <laughs> so how do you do it? I need some tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, need some I tips. think, you know, I think what I am dealing with now, how do I focus on 20 things? Right. Um, how you do that, but you know, not 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 focus on the twenty things on my to do list, but that one task, breaking that one task down, and really saying, okay, I have to finish this one task right. before I move on to the second task. You know, just 
you just sort of flit around and, and try to try to start one and then go to the second one and then go to th- and then check email in the middle and you know you know how we do but that's not effective i have done that a couple of times I'm like, this is not effective i'm not even getting anywhere so making sure that i am focusing on literally uh, start to finish one task at a time and moving on i think is very helpful but i mean and, and this is something that i was <laughs> telling you too is is all of these people that i heard i mean they have so much on their plate so much is an understatement of the century that i am i am amazed at, at how they've managed to maintain their their focus and themselves but i think that also comes with practice once you've handled that volume for so long like that's what you're used to so i am new to the high volume right. of this level and scale space but i think what i'm really trying to do is is chunk and make sure that i'm really focusing like bite-sized as opposed to trying to eat it all at once one of the things that i and i that i learned along the way and my husband is so great at being focused like yeah. he won't let the I need, I want, Mm. this doesn't work when he's focused on something. It's like, I got you. If this isn't working, I got it. We'll take care of that. But we Mm. need to focus on this Mm. at work right Mm. now. This is what we need to focus on. Mm. And he used to say to me years ago, all arrows point to Toyland. So whatever you're working on, mm. whatever your goal is, is Toyland. And all your arrows need to keep pointing to Toyland to be able to get that job done because it's so easy to get distracted. So with your emails, you respond really quickly. And you know, I'm not so good at that sometimes. Like it could take me days to get back, um, which I'm not proud of. I'm not saying that with pride, like because I really do want to respond. But I, I just get sucked into something else. And I've read it and I think mm-hmm. I've kind of responded. In mm-hmm. my head, I've responded, but mm-hmm. I haven't typed it out and hit send. And so I think I've done it kind of. I'm ADHD and dyslexic. So I can I can relate to Sir Richard Branson, right? That I'm I'm so glad I have something in common with him. I just need a few jets and we, right, could, right. we could be one in the yeah, same. The We're same, just yeah. separated at birth. But um but that staying focused is hard. So are there any tips, anything that you like that you could say these are like three things that I do that you would share with other people, whether it's emails, how do you answer your emails quickly? Yeah, absolutely. I think being, like you said, being present, right? So when I read an email, instead of sort of filing it away or, you know, starring it or whatever, say, okay, what is the action that I have to take on it? Whether that's, okay, let's schedule this meeting. Okay, let's postpone. Um, Okay, actually, I don't know. But even if I don't know, telling him that I don't know or telling her that I don't know. So essentially closing the loop is number one. Uh, it's something that I've, that I've been working on for the last year and it's been really helpful. Number two is is going into my zone. I think uh, we, you know, like you said, so much sort of around us and, you know, people doing this and people doing that. But when I'm in my zone, I'm in my zone. Like there's no one else there. It is just me. Whether that means going into your own room, whether that means, you know, going to the library, whatever it is, just silence. Silence and yourself. So I think that would be number two number three would be focus like why do you want to do it i think that that to me is a big thing so for me um you know and i told you this before and i'm an immigrant you know a lot of the opportunities that i have today my parents didn't have their parents didn't have so i take it as a very big responsibility that I'm in the position that I'm in. This is not about me. This is about women. This is about people of color. This is about advancing sort of society. And so I can't just be like, well, you know, I'm, I gotta watch TV now. <laughs> like, so I guess what I'm saying is align yourself with a higher cause and a higher purpose. And I think you are probably more likely to focus then. <laughs> and that's, I think that's really important. And that's great advice for everyone, because I think that is one of the things I hear people saying they're struggling with a mm. lot is focusing. So here's something that we I love to do is I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. So it started when I was at Barney's and 
this young woman, a salesperson, was talking to a 60-something woman and trying to sell her seven-inch high-heeled shoes, you know, with platforms. And the older woman finally said to her, she put her hand on the young woman's arm and said, honey, I'm done with that. And so I thought, I love this. I'm done with so many things in life. And, you know, being here at the Under 30 Summit and being surrounded by so many talented, there are 6,000 mm-hmm. people here, majority of them are in their th- under 30s, in their 30s, you know, we're, they're much younger than I am. It's really interesting to look and say, I understand the enjoyment when you're 30, but I'm so glad I'm done with that. I am so glad I'm done with it. Now, and when I was in my 30s, I shouldn't have been done with that. The bar crawl last night would have been one of them, crawling at the bars. I'm truly done with that. I'm done with being in loud restaurants where I can't hear people. I can't talk to the person across from me. I'm done with that. I want to be able to have, whenever I make a reservation now in a restaurant, it's for an empty, you know, someplace small where I can actually hear the person without screaming at them. So I'm done with get the gatherings of people that are being in places where it's loud and noisy. And once again, it goes to, I think, FOMO, that fear of missing out. Because I do have to admit that a part of me last night at about 10 o'clock, I was like, I guess I should be at the bar crawl. And then I thought, really, really? So what are you done with? Mediocrity. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's deep. It's deep. You know, it's deep. It's deep. Um, I think, uh, you know, like I said, if you have the opportunity to do something bigger than yourself, that to to impact people more than just yourself or your immediate family, you should take it. And I'm really excited and and fortunate and and blessed to have that opportunity. So I'm done with being normal. I'm done with uh, just doing, you know, what needs to be done. Um, I'm all about now, you know, chasing big dreams, living outside my comfort zone and and writing one of the best stories ever written. So done with being normal, Denise. Done with mediocre. But have you ever been normal or mediocre? I think so. I think growing up, because I just didn't have that exposure. So I was like, oh, yeah, you go to school, you do this, you go to college, you know, that that's what you do. So in my mind, that is normal, right? Um, again, not you know going to college for everybody is not normal. But for my family, where I came from, that was normal. You know, you go to college, you get an engineering degree, get your first job pretty normal um so then i was like wait i think i think there's more that you can do so so now now we're here uh so i'm done with being normal normal. (laughs) because i have a feeling that you were never the kid who was just okay with getting the c grade right that was never but you know at the same time like i think that there's so much more to do than just get an a and and get a degree you know i think um where i'm at now in terms of like impacting people talking to people you know having women message me saying you know you're changing my life that's huge right you know, that's better than an a <laughs> you know um, so so that's that's what i'm done with i'm done with being normal i'm done with mediocrity i'm done with um sort of the the regular life i don't i don't want a normal life i'm i'm with you normal is <laughs> normal is boring normal right. is boring right so i love your energy i love your enthusiasm and i cannot wait to dig in more to your stories and maybe find out something else you're done with as well but first I want to thank TrueCar for supporting Mentoring Moments. We were talking about normal and not being normal. And one thing I'm sure of is that TrueCar is not a normal car buying experience in the most positive way. There are lots of reasons. Number one, they make car buying fun. I've been 
on the website and I've downloaded their app as I'm looking for a used car for my daughter. So True Car has new cars, but then they also have 500,000 used cars to pick from. That's a ton of cars to pick from. So when I was looking for that red Jeep for my daughter, there were a lot of great cars to pick from. And the cars are available from 11,000 True Car certified dealers across the country. So it's really easy to find someone to work with who wants to help make this buying process even more fun and easy. And what I'm really loving is checking out the prices, getting the discounts. I mean, seriously, True Car users save an average of like $3,279 off the MSRP. And they have this really cool feature. It's called the True Car Pricing Curve where I can see what others have paid for the same car in my daughter's area. She lives in Pittsburgh. I'm in New York. So we're confident that we're getting a fair price. And I did it all on the app, but you can also do it on their website. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit truecar.com or download the TrueCar app to enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hey, honey, guess what? What? Dr. Mrs. Guinea Pig Show is out every Tuesday on Podcast One. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited, except we're going to subject ourselves to some painful things to figure out what's the truth. Our pain for their pleasure. My pain for your pleasure. Get it at iTunes or PodcastOne.com. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fun hunting for your brilliant brunch Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! This is Mentoring Moments with Denise Rostari. So, Sinjini, what I really want to tap into is you as a little girl, because I can only picture you as a little girl. Are there is there a mentoring moment of when you were younger, something that happened that was that other aha moment in life? Yeah, absolutely. So I was very different as a little girl, very, very shy, painfully shy, uh, very introverted, very quiet, very uh, good, you know, no, no sort of acting out, nothing like that. I'm on my own, quiet, sincere you know, student in school. Um, but I remember when I came to America, so I came to America from Malaysia. So I was born in India, lived in Malaysia, came to America at nine. And um, I remember sort of going into school and, and not obviously <laughs> belonging at all. Uh, and just, you know, the friendships were sort of an issue. Uh, I think there was a couple of books that the teacher had us all read. I, I, I was like, what, what is this? Like, how do you, how do you do this? How do you do this? I didn't know how to write a poem. It's a little bit of a struggle, but I think in, in general, what I felt was a very severe lack of belonging. And I think a lot of kids go through this. A lot of kids who aren't immigrants go through this. So for me, it was a little bit more... Um extreme, but really felt like I didn't belong. Uh, this continued all the way, I would say through uh, middle school, a little bit of high school too. And so I had this severe itch 
to, to belong. Now, whether that was joining an existing friend group or creating my own sort of circle or, or platform or whatever it may be, but I had this itch that I, I don't, I don't feel American. I think I've said this before in a couple of other interviews, but it took me a long time to feel American, to feel like I belong in this culture, especially as an immigrant. In my case, I mean, I'm a little bit rare because I was actually born in India. And so when I came here, I was like actually different. How old <laughs> Whereas, you um, when you to, to America, I was nine. Was nine when I came and uh, did did not feel American. Uh, did not feel like I belonged. Felt like an outsider for the longest time. And I told myself that one day I'm gonna be an insider looking out because I think that that is powerful. Because what it does is it gives you confidence, it gives you motivation, and it, it gives you that energy. Because um, I think when you always feel like an outsider, uh, you don't really connect to anything because you're like, well, this is not mine. This is not this country is not mine. This you know, school is not mine. These friends are not mine. And I, I went through that a little bit just because I felt so different um, that I was like, oh, I'm an outsider. But I, I told myself, I, I, I'm not nine. I would say probably at, in my teens that one day I'm, I'm going to belong and one day I'm going to be an insider looking out. And in high school, one day when I speak, the world will listen. And I think that's the story that I've written since then. Um, and I think that is why my level of activity is so furious because um because I'm very, very intent on becoming an insider looking out. And I think that's that's happened. And for parents who are listening, because I'm listening to you as a parent, my mm-hmm. daughter is a year younger than you. Mm-hmm. And I think that whether you're an immigrant or you know, whether you're born here, your parent, would, there is that being an outsider that yes. happens a lot. Right. Is there any advice that you have for even young people who are listening to Because I think sometimes when you're in your 20s, you mm-hmm. feel like you're an outsider. Yeah, absolutely. I think what changed my life was uh, that I belong, that I I love myself and I belong here. Like, what's your name? You know, so I think that really changed everything because I have seen people's reactions to me do a complete 360. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, the same person. So do a complete 360 just because of how I value and view myself now. Um, whether that's the confidence, you know, the the energy, the dress, the whatever. Um, I've worked on all of that. And so now when I go out, I'm like, I, I'm happy and I belong. Like, what's your name? And I think when you have that kind of energy, confidence and radiance from within, people have no choice but to accept you and to love you and to shower you with happiness, you know? So I think is in essence that change starts with you. And I think what I've been able to do is work consciously on every part of myself from my emotional intelligence to my fashion intelligence to my um, just uh, social intelligence. And I think when you do that and you go out and you're like, hey, I love myself and I belong, like you will see people's reactions do a complete 360 because they're thrown off by that much like happiness and energy and excitement until like, oh my God, we love her, you know? So it, it's beautiful. And I think it really starts with you. I agree. But that is truly hard to find that within <laughs> yourself, especially when you aren't feeling like you belong. It's hard to get yourself to that point to say, I belong because you're just surviving. Right. And as I said, I think that happens not just in middle school, right. but I think with women in their twenties, yes. women in their thirties, you know, all of the pieces of belonging. So is there anything else that you want to share? Anything you want to ask me? Yeah, absolutely. How did you first feel like you belonged and how has that journey sort of changed you? 
I, I was fortunate in when I was younger in elementary school and in high school, I had a very good f- group of friends, mm-hmm. of female friends. So I always, I don't want to say we were a clique because that has a negative mm-hmm. connotation to it, but we always had each other. Mm-hmm. And so it was that belonging. But when I, when I really felt like I didn't belong mm-hmm. is when I went to college because mm-hmm. I grew up in this really small little town mm-hmm. and my, my parents are wonderful. My dad would always say, you know, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, you're so pretty. And so you had this confidence mm-hmm. about, and, and I was always making clothes and I was very fashionable. So, and we were poor. So this wasn't like I was, you know, buying Gucci. This was making your clothes at home, going and buying rolls of fabric. I even made like my girlfriend's bridal gowns for her wedding. So that gives you like a framework from my childhood. And so I go to college and I go, I live in a suburb of a suburb of Pittsburgh and we never really left our backyard. I never even got to downtown Pittsburgh until I was 17 years old. So I'm now in college in Pittsburgh, the big city of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And I see all these women who are just beautiful. Mm. Right. And it was like, oh my God. I don't belong mm. here. They were dressed differently than I was. They had a different socioeconomic scale. It was just all like, I just don't belong. And at first I went into my shell because I am, I know this will seem hard to believe, but I am an introvert. Mm. So it's really easy for me to go into that space mm-hmm. of I'm smart. So I'll just go and I'll do my work mm-hmm. and I'll get A's mm-hmm. and all things, everything else will, I don't know what will happen. Um, part of being ADHD is I don't sometimes relate consequences to actions. So you, you know, like I'll, I'll just figure out this problem for the moment and not thinking about what is the consequence later. So saying I'm just going to go study and get an A grade doesn't really impact that. How do I fit in? But I was like, I could be successful at something. And but what happened, fortunately for me, was I started because I was smart and I was able to be and people recognize that they wanted some people wanted to hang out with me mm-hmm. because they wanted help or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's how I fit in. And that gave me that entree into fitting in. But I got to tell you, there are times now when I go to parties and stuff, I don't feel like I fit in sometimes. So mm-hmm. I don't think it ever goes away mm-hmm. that there are moments in time where we're all in places, whether it's thinking, oh, I was talking about this the other week about a bunch of young women in an elevator talking about I should have worn something else to this event. Right. And sometimes I get to events and I'm like thinking, I should have worn this. I should have dressed this way. I should have done that. My insecurities, that little girl shows up a lot throughout my life. So it'll be interesting to talk to you in 30 years from now. Let's see. I'll be my mother's age. I'll be looking for a push-up bra. (laughs) Talking to you saying, so tell me, looking back on this, did you go through that for those next 30 years too of, you know, going that in and out of I'm so secure. I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. starting the podcast, I was Mm -hmm. really that insecurity of Mm -hmm. can I do this? So the first podcast I ever recorded, I listened, I tried not to listen to a lot, but Mm -hmm. then the night before that insecurity came in of, can I do this, right? So, because I want to do it well. Not can Mm. I do it, yeah, I can do it, but I really want to do this well. So I started listening now to some of the most popular podcasts. Mm. So when I went on air that first day, Mm -hmm. I was a little bit of this woman and a little bit of that Mm. woman and a little bit of this woman, and I wasn't me. In my Mm. head were all these voices. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those other reminders in life to say, let go, don't try to be Mm -hmm. that person. Whenever I've tried to be that other person, it's always been a losing proposition. And, you know, even if you fail, 
you, you can learn from other people, right? But you don't have to be them. So you can look at someone, you can say, I like the way she delivers when she's on stage. I like the way she walks when she's, or he as well, right? I like the way they don't pace. Whatever it is that you're attracted to, so you can say, I like those things, but I don't want to be like them. Years ago, I went to a Tony Robbins event. I was with USA Today, and I was like, I do not want to go. I don't, don't make me go to this. But people in my department wanted to go, so I did it to be a team player. And I'm like, I'm dreading this. Within 10 minutes, I am standing on the chair with everybody else. We're pounding our chests with Tony Robbins. And I'm done with that. And now I want to be Tony Robbins. So I say to my consultant, my next meeting, I'm going to be Tony Robbins. And she was like, he's already taken. Tony Robbins is already taken. You cannot be Tony Robbins, okay? And so, but sometimes I I don't really want to be Tony Robbins, but I wanted that energy. So that's what I had to bring it down to. What do I want? I want that energy Mm -hmm. on stage uh, that he has. Yeah, I love this one line I heard somewhere. It's like, uh, I'm a limited edition. Right, You know, so focus on you. Like, take pieces from others or whatnot, but you're a limited edition. So you need to build your own edition. Right. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> and do you find that people are amazed by you being so young that you have this? And it's not a cocky arrogance that you have. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking, oh, please, you know, she's so full of it's just the opposite. You are just very secure with who you are, which I really admire. Yes, yes, uh, yes. A lot of people are are amazed and stunned, and 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 uh, it's all good things. But you know, I take it uh, very well because you know, look, I, I look at it all as a responsibility. You know, the position that I'm in, you know, I'm a role model to to a lot of girls and to a lot of women, and hopefully men <laughs> too. Um, so I, I take it, you know, uh, seriously. And and this is who I am. You know, this is not a farce. This is not you're gonna 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 try to be secure today. Like you know, it's, it's just it's just who I am. So I appreciate it. <laughs> And would you get up in the morning? Do you meditate? Do you have any habit in the morning that makes you successful? You know, I love Headspace. Uh, if you've heard of it, it's like a meditation app. So literally just 10 minutes in the morning, kind of get into the zone. And I'm trying to do that a lot now is because because there's so many people in my life now and there's just so much in media. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're every, everyone can talk to you and, and, and more. So really trying to focus on, on, an empty space, you know, whether that is through meditation, whether it's through just zoning out or just closing your eyes, whatever it may be. But yes, I try to do that every morning to at least get uh, centered because otherwise you are so distracted. <laughs> so try to really focus on kind of what needs to be done and really get into the zone, not focus on, okay, well, you know, th- this person wants to talk to me and this person, I mean, just really just get into your zone. I had space helps me do that. And one other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about your parents this made me think about meditating. So let me ask yeah. the first question. Did you meditate when you were younger? Is it something you've been doing when you're since you're older? Definitely older. Having said that, my dad has told me like for a while to do meditation. I just never got around to it. So definitely been on my mind, but started it older. Yeah. Because I, I need to learn how to meditate. Yeah. I sit there and I just don't know what to do. And people have given <laughs> me books. Okay, yeah. people have given me books like, like really, you want me to read a book right. about meditating? Right. I, where am I finding the time for that? I can't right. even respond to your exactly. email that tells me you sent me the book exactly. to meditate. Or you fall asleep. Is another thing that I've really? Because it, the thing is, you have to focus. It's not just shutting your eyes and you know going off in outer space. Like what what um, Headspace is great about is there's sort of a format. So it's like you know shut your eyes and think about this, think about that. There's there's intention. So it's not just shut your eyes and peace 
out because you are going to fall asleep. Right. It's not about that. But really uh, just, just getting into a zone, getting into a zone, being present, being aware, hearing sounds, being mindful, you know. So I, mean, I think many ways to do that. But I like that Headspace offers a structure. Okay, I'm going to I, I promise this is not like Right, sponsor. you're not going <laughs> to <decide. laughs> <That's not laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to yeah. try it. I'll give it a try. Yeah. I, I really do want to because I want to become centered. Yeah. No, I want to be absolutely. just like you and my mom when I grow up. What can I tell you? I want to be the combination of you and my mom and nine, my daughter because I'm just so proud of my daughter. Yeah, I admire yeah, her. So between yeah. the three of you, I want to be yeah. that perfect. Yeah. Sinjini, this has been wonderful, truly wonderful. And as I said, you know, your energy, your enthusiasm, your smarts, everything about you being here on the floor with me, just being a real girlfriend. And we're 40 years apart in age. So I'm feeling very young or a little old. I'm not sure. But this has been truly wonderful. Thank you, Denise. And I really admire your storytelling ability. I think this is something that that I'm trying to do a lot more of this next year is, is really connect to people on an authentic, deep level. Because I think that's that's where the magic lays. And I really appreciate that. Well, I admire that about you. Thank you. And, <laughs> and where can we find you? Let us yeah. know where we can find uh, you. Where can you not find me? Right. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Uh, so if you're on Facebook, uh, like my public page at Shinjini Das. Um, so it's facebook.com slash speaker Shinjini on Twitter at speaker Shinjini on Instagram at speaker Shinjini. So you see a little pattern there. <laughs> got it. We got it. Not only are you talented, but you're consistent. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I'm blowing you a kiss across the table on the floor. You mm, too. You too. Thank you so much, Denise. Thanks so much for joining us today. To get Mentoring Moments the moment it's available every Wednesday, please subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com. I'd love to hear what you think about how you make the most important things in your life the most important things in your life. And how do you make sure your arrows are pointing to your toy land? And really important... How do you belong? You can find me on Twitter at Denise Ristari. Until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Mini bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law. It is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, 
uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.